Happy New Year, ladies and gents, guys and ghouls, gather around the digital campfire and prepared to be thrilled, chilled, and filled with wonder. Welcome to the inaugural episode of the brand new Studio Sinister. We are your host with the most, Farah, joined by my best friend and partner in all things eerie. Courtney. Hey, Courtney. Hey. We are ringing in the new year with a bang, or should we say boo? The title for this first episode is Happy New Year with Studio Sinister and The Bell Witch. Now, you might be wondering, what happened to the Conversation Cabin podcast? It's not dead, dear listeners. It's merely undergone a metamorphosis. Like a creepy crawly caterpillar transforming into a beautiful and slightly spooky butterfly. We've spread our wings and are ready to soar into new territories of terror and intrigue. With Courtney by my side, we're going to dive deeper into the stories that have haunted your dreams and sparked your curiosity. We're talking paranormal phenomena, unsolved mysteries, true crime tales that will make your blood run cold. We will also explore legends and lures that have stood the test of time, cults that have captivated the world's attention, and dive into the human psyche from mental health to survival stories. Now, before I go any further, I am recovering from COVID. My voice is not 100% there yet, but it's better than it was. You sound great. You sound great. (laughs) I wouldn't worry about it. This has been a long time coming, but do know that we're not just here to scare you all silly. We also want to inspire you as well. We'll be inviting guests onto our show to share their personal experiences, whether they're chilling encounters with the supernatural or heart-wrenching tales of overcoming adversity. We have so many awesome things planned for you listeners for this new year. But before we get into the episode, we are always going to start off with what's haunting you, Courtney, because this is going to be recorded in history as our very first episode Give your thoughts. All I've been saying since, because we've been planning this for a while, if you guys have been following, especially what was formerly the Conversation Cabin, you've been seeing our little riddles. You saw the blackout that we posted yesterday. Ever since we started planning all of this and going through the process of rebranding the Conversation Cabin into Studio Sinister, I just can't stop thinking that this feels right. We've obviously worked together a lot for the last year that we've known each other through various different projects. And I feel like there was always just something that didn't sit right with one of us or both of us, usually both of us. We were always on the same page. (laughs) But this, to me, feels very different because it's a show that I've always loved. Obviously, it, it was and still is The Conversation Cabin, right? It's a show that I've been listening to since literally you dropped your first episode, and I've been hooked ever since. And beyond that, you and I are both podcasters and we always have been we always will be so having a show together like this to me it's just makes sense and it feels right I'm very excited and hopefully you guys are too I know I'm very excited and I'm excited that I now have a true sinister sister to do this with oh, hell yeah first of all once I met you I knew 
that we were going to be besties. But the whole time that I had hosted the conversation cabin, I always wondered what it would be like to just have you on my show when I decided to do this rebranding. And I think being sick kicked me in the ass a little to rebrand, but I've always wanted to do a show with you. It did. I absolutely love all the stories and subjects that I cover, but the stories and subjects that I cover are so complex. They deserve more than just one person to cover them. Even the ones that I've done, Jack the Ripper or the Beast of LBL, those are all complex stories that you just can't do in 20 minutes. Plus, I love that you're someone that is more skeptic than I am. So I think that's where everyone will love this show because they're able to hear two different opinions. The stories that you've covered in the past are complex, but they're very nuanced. You can't have just one opinion. And I think I loved the conversation cabin. I truly do. It's a bittersweet moment, I will say. But there were times when I'd listen to the show and you'd be discussing your side of your thoughts on the matter. Mm -hmm. And I have this whole other perspective and I'm sure other people do too. But you can't have these nuanced topics on a show and not have multiple points of view to be able to discuss them. It's one thing with my show with Haunts. I just tell the story objectively and that's it, Mm -hmm. right? And that's always what it's been. And I try to give you both sides of the story and let the listener decide. But that is where this show is going to be different. We want to discuss in detail both perspectives or maybe even several different perspectives. And I think that you can't have the conversation cabin without the conversation. And obviously that's not the name anymore. But when you asked me to come on the show, I'm like, this makes total sense because you need to have the back and forth to be able to have a show. And actually I've come across two people podcast where they do have the same opinion. You and I kind of we will respectfully argue with each other sometimes about I know you love Bigfoot. I'm sure there might be some sort of primate-like monster out in the woods. I'm sure that's possible. I'm not refuting that. But where it gets me that I can't wrap my head around is the fact that he, like, squishes himself into another dimension. It's stuff like that where you and I have always differed and debated respectfully. Being a podcast listener myself, I love to hear people come on a show and debate. I love to hear two different sides. It opens me up to never really thought about that. But can I just say again how happy I am to finally be recording an episode with you, Courtney? I think we did such a great job staying silent on this. We've both been creeping out for weeks because we didn't want to tell anyone. I think we did a very good job at keeping it under wraps. We've gotten a couple messages and I'm like, oh, I have no idea what those riddles are about. Why is she tagged weird? So Courtney, before we get into the what's haunting us segment, I'm sure you remember that quirky guy that we stumbled upon when we were setting up the studio, right? Well, he showed up the other day asking for a job and apparently even zombies need a career change. So I caved, I caved and I hired him. Yeah. On the spot. Farah. Farah. <laughs> I know, but guess what? He promises not to eat us, although dead bodies might become a regular thing around here. Oh, and he is insisting on his own dressing room. Wow. So dead bodies and demands. I guess we hit the jackpot with him. Would you like to say hi to him? 
I think maybe he wants ah. to come and say hi to our listeners because he's back here. Hang on. Don, it's your turn to come up. Oh, I'm up. Bitch in one sec. No, no, no. Put that down. Don't need that. That's the cat. He's overzealous, isn't he? Greetings, humans. It's Don the Zombie, the one and only undead voice of Studio Sinister. I know what you're thinking. A zombie on a podcast. What's next? Vampires doing makeup tutorials? Brace yourself, because I'm here to prove that even the undead have something to say. I've got a taste for the macabre. A flair for style. Bloodstains are the new black, darling, and a wit as sharp as my teeth. Get ready for a wild ride with your guides, Courtney and Farah as they take you through the supernatural, cryptids, true crime, and so much more. And sometimes, I may just feel the need to interject with my two cents. Is that right, Don? Pharaoh, what was he hired for? Oh, don't get your skivvies in a twist, girl. Stick around, listeners, for the killer quote at the end and a trailer for the next episode. That's my job, and I do it bitchin'. Okay, so that was Don, the zombie, who he is a character. And yes, you will be hearing from him mainly at the end of our episodes. But Courtney, what do you think of Dawn? I have some mixed emotions about having a zombie in our recording studio. I'm not going to lie. But Dawn does seem like a very nice zombie with a soothing voice. So I will let it slide for now. We'll, we'll see, see how, how he does. Going. Right. We'll see. I think our listeners will just fall in love with Don. I mean, he's the he's the man, right? He's awesome. Yeah. And we he is being nice enough to just use his home to record our podcast. So I guess he's all right. I had to clean up brains the other day and it was pretty messy. I mean, for the most part, it's clean. I got a lot of blood stain out of the floor, but hey, what can you do? Okay, so on every episode, we are going to do a segment called What's Haunting You? Courtney, I want you to go first and tell me and our new Sinister Seekers, which that's what all you listeners are called now. We're going to copyright that. By the way, inside joke, you take the stage, Court. I see how it's going to be. You're going to make me wait even longer for what's haunting you, which I've been so intrigued for the last 24 hours. But anyways, this is more of a nod to the High Strange News, which will be coming back shortly. That's just a hint. I came across this the other day on TikTok, and it really threw me for a loop. Apparently, there's a gigantic hole in the sun that's the size of 60 Earths. That is what I pulled up the article because like, I obviously saw this on TikTok. I love TikTok, but I don't think it's the most respected news source. Let's say I found this on space.com. I don't know if they're any more respectable. I think it's like a tear. It's a corneal hole that appeared at the sun's equator. The same amount of surface area to fit about 60 Earths in it. And then on top of that, it is forcing gusts of solar wind at a high speed directly towards Earth, which to me sounds like the beginnings of a really bad sci-fi Armageddon-style movie. I just feel like no one's talking about it. It's probably fine because if it was truly a problem, I'm sure it would be reported about and stuff like that. But yeah, that's been bothering me since I discovered it. Does it say how long it's been there? I think it just appeared this week. Hold on, let me dig through this. It appeared on December 2nd, so it's been here for, at the time of recording, about two weeks. We're recording on the 16th, and guys, just... as a point of reference. Is this something that we should be concerned about? It's a hole in the sun. Everything on this earth is 
sun-driven. What happens if our sun explodes? We're going to die. Oh, we would have eight minutes of not knowing and then we would, yeah. Coronal, I think I'm saying that right, coronal holes can spew solar winds at 1.8 million miles per hour towards a planet, which can cause stunning auroras and disrupt satellites. I guess we're just going to have a lot of like little solar activity. More or less like energy spurts. To me, it's just scary that there's even it's possible to have a hole in our sun, which is like the giver of life. But I think it's just going to create some pretty miraculous views if you're living in an area where you can see the solar lights. Fair. I'm not sure if you can beat them where you're at. That's me. I was but, a really I a mean, science buff. Here I am looking out my window like. She's like looking out the window in broad daylight in northern Tennessee. But you can see them here. I saw some videos on Instagram of people that were like along the Canadian border that were able to see them. I think it was a meteor shower at the same time. I'm not sure that they were connected at all. But yeah, I think it just creates a lot of stunning views, which is awesome. But also at the same time, there's a terrifying in our sun that and I hate that. It really it reminds me of Don't Look Up. Since you brought the sun subject up and we'll definitely cover this kind of topic on another episode but do you think that we're going to face like a global extinction or armageddon in our lifetime oh in our lifetime right or by something the sun or both do you see our earth deteriorating before you and i are dead will it be a global type extinction because of everything that we're doing to the planet i would not be surprised if and obviously we have a lot of different religious viewpoints i definitely collect a lot of let's say that i have an eclectic style of spiritual belief systems right right so that being said i was raised catholic i went to catholic school and i know a lot about the book of revelations i wouldn't be surprised if at some point we saw the beginnings of that contrary to popular belief i do not think that we're in them now that might not be contrary to popular belief but i have seen that kind of theory mm. rolling around i just don't think we are meant to know and I I don't know. I just don't think that it's happening now. Do I think that it could happen at some point in our lifetime? There's obviously an odd zero chance. But again, I don't think we're meant to know that. I think there's if what the Christians say is true, only one would know. And it's God. So we'll see. That's just my two cents on it. I just want to know how much worse does it have to get? Look at our country now. Hell, there's a hole in the sun. Terrifying. There's like a river somewhere in the east where basically they feel like they opened the gates to Hades or whatever. No, I didn't hear that. You remember that? No. I'm totally butchering this because I'm pulling this out off the top of my head. We can circle back around to it in episode two if you want. But yeah, they say there are multiple different religious beliefs that people are pointing to in pop culture saying, oh, this is happening. But I don't know. Maybe I'm just trying to be optimistic. I just don't think that's where we're at in history right now. There's room for it to get worse. Let me tell you what's haunting me. And it goes into why I just asked that question. Oh no. And this to me, like I had told you the other night, it was very scary, but pretty much everyone knows that I've had COVID since mid November and I'm totally a lot better now. The peak was absolutely horrible. Where I thought I was going to die. I did too, to be honest. I was worried. I was very worried. Oh, I was very worried. But I've become a lot better. And two nights ago, I'm in bed and I wake up. 
I think it was like two or three in the morning. And it always seems like that's the time that people wake up in the middle of the night. It's just weird. But anyway, I was in my room and my room itself was pink and shiny, holographic, kaleidoscope looking. Mean. Okay, it's really, bear with me. Was it humanoid shape? No, my room. Whole thing? Yeah, my room was like in Dagon shape sides like this. Can you see my goosebumps? Yes, I do. Oh my God. Okay, I'm getting right. them too. Oh, you lived it. I'm trying to explain this the best way that I can. When you walk into a fun house with all the mirrors, that's what it looked like in my room. It was holographic hot pink color and shiny, like the wrapping paper that's silver, but if you move it, it different spectrums of colors. Yeah. That's what my room looked like. But then it started glitching. As in, I looked over to Jake, who's to the right of me in bed sleeping. There were two Jakes, like his main body was glitching and moving. And there was an inch more of him above his main body that was going back and forth and glitching as well. And you're sure you were awake? I was positive I was awake because I grabbed my phone to see what time it was. And just to ask, I know the answer is no, but just for the listeners, you were not on any sort of like decongestant for like recreational or anything like that. Nothing at all. I I know the answer to that question is no, but I know that there are going to be people listening being like, she was probably drinking or... She's been sick, blah, blah. We're not on medication. I haven't haven't taken any medication since around Thanksgiving. And the only thing even then that I had taken, when I first started getting sick, I took Mucinex for two days. And then everything got worse. So I called my doctor who then prescribed me something. And that's what I was on at that time. And that was only a seven-day supply. But yeah, this was crazy to see his body moving, but he wasn't moving. I hate this. And it's going. I hate this. It's vibrating. Vibrating and glitching. And I'm like, is this the Matrix and I really don't have him in my life? And I was freaking. I was going to ask, do you believe in glitches in the Matrix? And I'm more of the believer of several different dimensions more than anything. Okay. We just flip-flop for a second. I'm a full believer in different timelines and glitches in the Matrix. I don't know. I definitely need to research it a lot more before I give my total 100 honest opinion. We're going to talk about it. When I had interviewed Nick Valente, I remember him and I were discussing dimensions and a scientist told him that there were 11 different dimensions. When you and I talked about the Conjuring House episodes of Sam and Colby, and they were doing that knock-knock thing with Cody and Sartori, the spirit of Abigail was right there, and they were asking her questions. What do you see when you talk to us? And I remember her saying, I see a light, and I go toward it. They can hear her walking to them or walking away from them. I guess wherever glitch in the matrix and dimensions maybe come together. I don't know how much they're different. It sounds like a glitch in the matrix. To me, hear me out. You and I have discussed the ability of there being a vortex or a portal in your house, right? Yes. Was this in the general area? You notice a lot of activity or no? Nope. 
But maybe not. I was just thinking, did you maybe somehow astral travel or astral project? If this had all taken place in the hallway, I might lean toward that. But the fact that I really haven't had too much activity in our bedroom, like I said, there were just, it was very weird. There was two of everything. We have a window on the left side of our room and the window had a window coming out of it. So it's like you had the dimension that you were in almost had shifted. Exactly. Surprised. Okay. And when I looked at my TV, here's my TV. And then there was another TV above it, but overlapping, I guess I want to say. I hate it. I have no explanation for that because when you were explaining it, I'm like, oh, it's the portal or the vortex that's in your house. But if it's not where we know it to be, which is down the hallway, to me, that doesn't make sense. If you guys at home know, shoot us a message on Instagram because I'm at a loss and normally I'm the one to hit you with the different theories when it comes to stuff like that. I have no idea. And I don't mean to discredit this as not being paranormal because I think these two things are maybe other people might not, but I believe them to be akin or at least connected in some way. When Todd, my husband, I think he's sensitive to the other side, maybe not a medium, but sensitive nonetheless. Mm -hmm. He will astral project. I tell him, I'm like, I don't think that's really safe. But he has he's also had a lot of sleep paralysis and he describes a buzzing kind of whooshing sound. So I'm wondering if maybe you're getting the visual aspect of that same. Is that a form of sleep paralysis then? No, but you can't move. You can't I was move. able to move. But when I sleep like a rock, so I've never had this experience, so thank God I haven't. But when you astral project, from my understanding of it, is starts out as sleep paralysis. And if you can meditate and control yourself and mm-hmm. turn it into kind of like lucid dreaming and push it beyond the limits of what we know scientifically, you, in theory, bear in mind, are able to move while your body is still in that state of sleep and paralysis. From my general understanding, you could have moved past that phase to the point where your body was able to move and see Jake's, let's say, spectral form in his physical form underneath. Because oh everything gosh. has like an energy. That is a perfect description of what it looked like. I bet you were unknowingly doing some sort of remote viewing or astral travel. You have connections with people who do that for a living. You should reach out to them and ask. I think that this is all conjecture. I'm not an expert when it comes to this by any means, but I would not be surprised if that's what you were experiencing. And it was just the first time it happened. So you didn't know. It was the first time something ever happened like that in my life. And it definitely was creepy and made me second guess if I was actually alive and living a life. How did you come out of it? I just fell back asleep. I bet you went back into your body and then woke up. It definitely freaked Jake out when I told him about it and described everything that I went through. Yeah. I remember touching him to feel him because I was scared that he wasn't real. That he was there. Yeah. Yeah. Now I've had an out of body experience before and I'll tell you that on another episode, but this wasn't like what I had experienced when I was 21 years old. Gonna haunt me (laughs) forever. Your story is going to haunt me. Should this be something that NASA should be concerned about? A hole in the sun? I think it happens a good bit. I just never heard it before. And the fact that there's a lot of solar energy happening right now, I think it's just gonna create some opportunities for people in the northern regions of the United States and even further north than that to see the northern lights, which is cool. But the fact that they're describing it as this massive hole in the sun just freaks me out. But I don't 
I don't mean to scare you guys. I don't think it's something for us to worry about. I just thought it was interesting. I haven't not thought about it at least once a day, but I liked it. I like learning about science. So very good one to bring to the table today, Courtney. I like trying to figure out what's going on in your house because it seems like every time you live somewhere, something wild happens. I have yet to come to the conclusion if it's good or bad, what I've been experiencing the past few years. Right. So now, Sinister Seekers, we're getting ready to tiptoe into our episode of some Southern folklore. We're about to dive into a tale so chilling that it could freeze your sweet tea solid. A tale that has been whispered from generation to generation, echoing through the moss, draped trees of Tennessee. We are pulling back the cobwebbed curtain of none other than the infamous Bell Witch. But trust me when I say this is no ordinary broomstick riding, pointy hat wearing cliche. Oh no. The Bell Witch is a spectral entity that has been haunting the American South for over two centuries. The story of the Bell Witch starts now. Nationwide crime is dominating the headlines here in America. And my teeth, my teeth are Someone was murdered, I think. Where? Where? I just shot and killed my son, Max, and my wife, Michelle. We are attempting to stay one week at the official conjuring house. We are back. First of all, if you haven't listened to the Bell Witch episode that Courtney had covered on her show, make sure that you go over to Haunt's I will make sure to put the links for that in the show notes to help you get over there. And if you don't follow her show, please add haunts to your playlist. It's a little different than what we're going to be talking about today. I was going to say that is the perfect segue talking about wild things happening in your house. We'll get into it, I think, at the end of the episode, because I think it's worth sharing while we're here. But let's just say that I know quote unquote, Kate Bats personally, and I am not happy about that, but you reap what you sow. Let's just say that Courtney learned her lesson in a small way. Not a small way, very big way. Very big way. So I live in Tennessee, y'all, and the Bell Witch is in Adams, Tennessee. We are going to go back to the spooky archives of the early 1800s. Picture this, John Bell, a man from North Carolina, moves his happy family to the Red River Bottomlands in Tennessee, aiming for the sweet spot of 328 acres of land and a cozy wooden cabin. What does that sound like, Courtney? I'm taking it back. It was that big of a property. Going back in my own memory of it, have you ever been there? No, I've never been there, but I only live about 30, 45 minutes from there. So when we plan our ghost investigation trip, That's definitely one of the places that we are going to hit the Bell Witch Cave. I'm not going to lie, probably will have a panic attack. You might need to carry me out of there. There's not a lot when it comes to paranormal that scares me. This entity is the only thing that does. Point blank. The Bell Witch and or Kate Batts, she's an ancient entity and people mistake her for just a lore and she's not. No, no. I think that the entity that lives there, and we'll get into it towards the end, but the entity that lives there 
goes by that name to make it seem more approachable than it is. This is not a human spirit, but spoiler alert. Well, let's get into not at all. Sorry to interrupt. No, you are good. Please feel free to interject and add anything that you want to, Courtney. This is our show. And this obviously, this hits home for me. If you can't tell, this story really does. And a little side note, listeners, Courtney didn't tell me everything that she had gone through when she went and visited the Bell Witch. I listened to her episode and immediately texted her and said, wait a second, you didn't tell me all of this. So yeah, it's pretty crazy. Embarrassing. It's not embarrassing, but it is something that I think with your story, people will hear it and maybe take heed of warnings a little bit more. True? True. Myself included. Mr. John Bell is even the elder of the Red River Baptist Church. Talk about community Cree. Now it all kicks off in 1817, where John, just minding his business in the cornfields, encounters a creature straight out of a nightmare. Part dog, part rabbit. Naturally, he goes full action hero, shooting at it. But poof, it vanishes into the woods. Fast forward to the Bell family dinner, and bam, strange banging on the cabin walls, like somebody's trying to break in night after night. The family's on edge trying to catch the culprit, but it's a no-go. Anything you want to add, Courtney? It reminds me of a case that I'm working on now. It's called the Black Forest Haunting, if you guys don't know what it is, just as a brief overview. This family moves into the Black Forest of Colorado, and they are experiencing similar activity at first. A family's convinced that it's someone trying to break in their house. It's not. I'll just leave it at that. But the fact that at first they approached it with a sense of, let's say, objectivity or skepticism, I can always appreciate that. There are some times when people are being haunted and they're trying to debunk it to the point where it's too much. Because to me, the activity that they were experiencing was just undeniable and it only got worse, as we'll see. But I hadn't heard that about the creature, the dog rabbit thing. Can you describe that more? Is it the head of a dog? It is part dog. I'm assuming head of a rabbit. Part rabbit. So right. It is the head of a rabbit and the rest of the body is like a canine. That is so foul. That's weird. As a little side note, if you have ever watched Tennessee Wraith Chasers on the Travel Channel, I advise to look it up. They did an investigation at the Bell Witch Cave House and Land. They had done an experiment where they dug a hole and placed a casket down there. The one brother had to go in the casket, close the lid, and do an investigation from there. Hell no. There was something that growled. They had audio outside of that hole, and they (laughs) caught a growl. So when I say that there was some creature- I hate this property. Okay. That proved to me- that part of the story could be true. Oh. That there is some yeah. type of, whether it's changed through generations, maybe it was somewhat of a dog man. I was thinking Hellhound. Or that. Because you can't convince me that place isn't the threshold of hell, literally. Exactly. Like, I, I feel like that cave will take you to hell. Now, before we get banished by witches, we know there are good witches and there are bad witches, but. Oh, of course. That- to be clear, this isn't a witch. I think that. Calling her the Bell Witch, I think it gives a bad name to witches and witchcraft. That is not what this is. It's just the name that back in the day Mm -hmm. when 
people in America and just in the world in general know. were very scared of witchcraft. So when you have an entity like this, I think that the word that they go to was witch. But again, I truly think that this is something that is inhuman. I think is it also remember that this is just coming off of the 200 years that the Salem witch trials happened and all other kind of trials across the world where women were being burned at the stake for allegedly being a witch or someone saying that they were a witch. That's one of the names that they could come up with back in those days when it was something that was unknown. It's you also have to think a too, negative entity. I do too. And I, it, I don't think it was conjured by witchcraft either. I think it's been there. From the land? Ha- yeah. And used a situation to its advantage to give it persona, I should say, mm-hmm. other than what it is, which is demonic, just from my own experiences. But the other thing too that I should mention is not too long before this throughout Europe but mainly in the United Kingdom which I guess at the time would have just been England they really thought highly of witches and practitioners of white magic so I don't want to come off as saying that I think that it's evil by any means I just think that the bell witch in and of itself is a negative entity that is using the phrase witch to make it seem darker than it is and it's doing so. It's giving witchcraft a bad name. A bad name, right. A witch will tell you it's also about the intent. I mean, for the story's sake, we'll call her the bell witch. Witches get separated between the white magic, dark magic. I think the intent is to create fear because fear, as we know from researching the paranormal, they feed off that fear and we'll get into that part a little bit more, but we will. Here's where it gets wilder than a horror movie plot. The Bell kids wake up crying about a bedsheet stealing entity. Things get so bizarre that John seeks help from a friend, James Johnstone. James and his wife stay over only to experience the same spooky shenanigans. James goes full on exorcist mode, shouting the name of God. And the haunting takes a break for the night. And that's actually pretty awesome that their friends were able to experience what they had experienced. Because back in the day, that would mean you were crazy. Back in this time period, not to just keep bringing this back to witch trials, but that's the time period we're in. Mm -hmm. If you're having this sort of experience and you're claiming that it's happening and no one can substantiate that with eyewitness accounts, probably going to be accused of witchcraft, which I think is another reason why this entity was given that name. But cue the bell witch becoming a Tennessee sensation. Even General Andrew Jackson, the war hero, decides to investigate. It doesn't go well, of course. The bell witch messes with Jackson's crew, making one guy regret bragging about his silver bullet. The witch even predicts the Civil War. Talk about a supernatural history lesson, but the real victim here is John Bell. Can I stop you very quickly, just while we're on the subject of Andrew Jackson, to give some context here. Obviously, these men were of military background. They had seen some shit. They, on the way, were in some sort of like carriage or something like that. And it was to the point where, and unknown reasons... The horses could not pull the carriage forward. I heard that too. Yep, you're right. Yeah, and then I'm not sure. I can't remember exactly how they got out of it, but eventually they were able to make it to the 
the Bells property. This takes place in Adams, Tennessee. They were coming from Nashville. I don't know how long that would be by horse and carriage, but they eventually get there. And it's to the point, of course, they were bragging about the silver bullet, thinking that'll be enough to stop this entity in its tracks. But they, this group of men who had been in war, especially back in that those days, war is horrific in and of itself, regardless of when it happened. But again, like I said, they had seen some shit. They ran screaming from the property. They couldn't even stay the night. They never reported what happened, but they did flee the property hours after they got there when they intended to stay the full night. I always, that's interesting. These were men of the military. For them to flee, then you knew something happened. Especially in the case of this haunting, mm-hmm. we have people of God all sorts from the of professions in right. there. We have their neighbors are going to come by. Mm-hmm. Multiple people from multiple different backgrounds are all attest to this is actually happening to the Bell family, which unfortunately, like you said, weighs heavy on John in a sense of matters of life and death. I just wanted to talk about their little posse for a minute, but no worries. So the witch goes all out, tormenting him with a facial twitch, seizures, and the whole package. He falls into a coma and unfortunately bit the dust in 1820. Post-mortem, the family finds a mysterious vial of black liquid. Cue dramatic cat death and the witch claiming credit for the demise. The cat. They're basically, they're like, I wonder what happened to John. Let's give this mysterious vial to our cat, which I wouldn't do. But I can see why the Bell Witch supposedly was talking to them. They were experiencing disembodied voices, and she claimed that she was responsible for John Bell and the cat through that vial of seemingly poison. Yep, she did a little dance on his grave. Another thing on that Tennessee Wraith Chasers episode, you can hear something dancing on top of the casket when they close the lid. I hate that. I hate this property so much. (laughs) John's funeral turns into a grand spectacle. But as soon as the last mourner leaves, the bell witch, eerily singing, fills the air. Things quiet down after John's death, almost like the witch accomplished her mission. She pops back in in 1821 to visit Lucy Bell, disappears, and promises to return in seven years. True to her word, she's back dropping wisdom bombs on John Bell Jr. But wait, There's a twist. The witch vanishes after three weeks, promising a comeback in 107 years to the most direct Bell descendant. Fast forward to Dr. Charles Bailey Bale, who spills the tea in a 1934 book. Did the witch return in 1935? Nobody knows. But Charles kicks the bucket in 1945, leaving all of us with the lingering mystery of the Bell witch. But Courtney, tell us a summary about what happened to you. I will say there are a lot of different precursors to this story. But number one, I am not the best at math. However, from my understanding of the story, she's said to come back in a sequence every, I think, seven years or something like that. That, at least if I understood the story correctly and did the math correctly, 2023 was the seventh year in that cycle. There's also a a legend, local lore in Adams, Tennessee, that if you visit the Bell Witch Cave and you take something from the cave, you are supposedly cursed and or haunted by the spirit of Kate Batts, a.k.a. the Bell Witch. Now, for some background here, Kate Batts was the Bell's neighbor. And I want to say they had issues with the property rights, which everybody had back then. But supposedly Kate Batts conjured 
the Bell Witch. I don't think that's true. I think it's always been there. But this entity claims to be the spirit of the Bell's own still because they own half of the properties. That is close to the public. The other half of the property is now kind of a tourist trap, to be honest. Back in, I want to say it was like 2019, my husband and I were living in Georgia at the time, North Georgia. And we were going on a trip from there to Montana because we had plans to move to Montana. That's where we live now. But initially on that trip, we'd never been here. We just knew we wanted to move west and we wanted to. If anyone was listening from Montana, you're going to laugh. But originally we planned to move to Billings, which is very much a large city in comparison to a lot of the other ones in the state. It's a relatively nice place to be, but there there's a lot of crime there, unfortunately. Really? It's just was. Yeah, it's every big city has crime. I wouldn't think so it's though, not out like, there, though, in the Wild West. Like, in the Wild West. Like Montana and Wyoming. And Yellowstone makes it look really good. Yellowstone is not accurate. <laughs> we were going to drive out to Billings and then drive up to Whitefish and go into Glacier. And it was this just whole big road trip that we had planned to celebrate my college graduation. And like I said, we were planning to stay in Billings for a couple of days to like get a feel to make sure we wanted to move there. Mm-hmm. But me being me, I wanted to stop at every haunted location that I could have stopped at along the way. And being that the road north takes us directly through, I guess it was Clarksville. We pulled off essentially and went to the Adams, Tennessee, mm-hmm. bought a ticket and went into the Bell Witch Cave. I had heard the stories, but this was, again, another caveat to this whole thing. Back in those days, I was still pretty new when it comes to paranormal investigations and research, I was also incredibly arrogant, thinking that I knew more than I did. So I took a rock from the cave. And immediately upon us leaving the cave, my husband, boyfriend at the time, he was driving. We stopped in Paducah, Kentucky to visit family there. And then it was my turn to drive for the first time the entire trip. And his parents nicely let us borrow their big old Ford Expedition, because it was more comfortable drive than a Ford Focus, right? Mm -hmm. And second I get behind the wheel of this monster of a car, it was bright and sunny out. Storm rolls in, and maybe less than, it had to have been less than 10 feet from the vehicle, lightning strikes, and it shakes the car. And we were both like, did that hit us, or did that just hit around us? I think that it, if it hit the car, it would have been bad. I don't want to say we wouldn't have survived that, but it would have been a lot worse. I remember feeling like this jolt of energy in my back, in the small of my back. And it was just a very weird thing. After that, a fog rolled in. And my dad pointed this out the other night because I was talking to him about it. He'd never heard the story before, which is strange because I talk to him about the paranormal all the time. But he said fog rolls separately towards the coast and we're driving inland. So he was confused as to why it would have followed us towards the west. But it followed us from Paducah all the way. I think we were stopping in eastern Kansas. Far, but not too far. There was a fog that rolled in that followed us from where we were all the way to where we were going to the point where we got lost. We were supposed to get there a little after dinner time. We didn't get there until about 3 a.m. Missed checkout time. I was worried they weren't going to let us into the room. They did. I called ahead and told them that we were lost and they left us a key at the front desk. But because we're staying at like a podunk hotel. Later on, we get to Billings. Bear in mind, this is where we wanted to spend a lot of our time exploring and trying to figure out where we wanted to live or if we wanted to live there. We didn't get to explore any of it because the moment that we got there, we both were just violently ill. 
not the moment, but pretty quick onset of symptoms, we were violently ill. I won't go too into detail about it because it's just disgusting, but it's worth mentioning that we couldn't walk around or do anything. And we ended up having to check out of our Airbnb, still sick, and we only had it booked for a certain amount of days. But by the time that we were leaving Billings, we felt normal again, which was weird because it was like very quick onset, very quick offset for the rest of the trip. Which I believe wholeheartedly that if you take something from a haunted place, you can get an attachment. And what you went through, the instances, they were just too quick back to back for them not to be linked to you taking that rock from that cave. Yeah. Keep in mind, this is a 10-day trip. And that the incident of the Bell Witch Cave where I took the rock happened on literally like the first hour and a half that we were on this road trip. So we go up to Kalispell, go into, or Whitefish, I forget where we were staying, somewhere around there. Go into the into Glacier National Park, everything's fine, until we start to make the drive back home. We were staying in Rapid City on the way back to Georgia on our first night, which is, it's a pretty far drive, but it's not too bad. But we were driving east on I-90. In retrospect, I know it was I-90, but I think at the time I was just like, we're in Montana. We start to get hungry. And after a certain point in between Bozeman and Billings, it just is this stretch of road. There are little towns here and there, but nowhere to stop. Mm -hmm. At the time, we didn't really know where we were because, again, this is the first time we're ever in the state of Montana. But eventually we come up to this exit and there's a sign that's like pizza, McDonald's, gas, blah, blah, blah. So we pull off the exit. It's a little roundabout. And we pull into the parking lot at McDonald's, which this McDonald's shares a parking lot with the gas the gas station next to it. And then there's like this side road off the main road that you can cross. And there's the pizza joint on the other side of that little side street, essentially. So my husband is not like a big fan of McDonald's or fast food in general. So he's like, I'm going to go over here and get this and I'll meet you inside because I'm going to buy a Coke from them. So I'm like, okay, I'm waiting in line and there's a ton of people in there. It's really crowded, but it's also summer. I'm just thinking it'll be fine. I'll get out of here eventually. And we had already ordered lightning strikes in the parking lot outside and it knocks the power out for the entire it's not really a block but this entire shopping center the power was cut off to the point where people weren't able to pay for their meal or they were just giving the food away because they wanted people to just get out of the restaurant because lightning had just struck outside and people were trying to get leave my husband not long maybe 30 seconds after this lightning strikes out in the parking lot comes running in and he's like as pale as a ghost looks terrified i'm like what is wrong with you are you like not in a nasty way but are you okay you look sick again and he was like that almost just that lightning almost struck me in the parking lot which the mm. fact that boom that happened like lightning strikes were sick another lightning strike todd and i are both like okay it's the rock so we give it back and apologize i don't think she accepted our apology and we'll get more into that in a moment but fast forward a couple of years, we move to a town further. It's a little bit further west of Bozeman. And this area of Montana is really expensive, but there were a lot more jobs around the Bozeman metro area. Mm -hmm. We were living there for a time and then I got approved for remote work and Todd was, his job hired him at the time to just drive all around southwest Montana. And we were living in this very tiny townhouse. It was a very crowded neighborhood. And he and I like open spaces, which I 
think is funny that we were thinking about moving into an apartment in Billings because that is like the most crowded population dense area. And it's a cute area that we were looking at, but it just didn't make sense for us because even this, which was in a much smaller town, was too crowded, crowded. and population dense. Jake and I are the so, same. We do not like a crowded area. I just want a room to breathe. Mm -hmm. So we reach out to a realtor and we're like, hey, this is our budget. I don't even know if we can afford anything, but if we can, this is what we're looking for. Do you know of anything? We don't give her a location that we're looking at. We just say, hey, we want a little bit of land. We need at least two bedrooms. Do you have anything in this budget? She's, I know of one place. I don't know if you guys will like it. It's a bit older, run down, whatever, but it is in your price range and it would be a cute starter home for you guys to fix up. We're like, great, take us there. So we meet her at her office and she drives us to the property. And as we're driving, things are becoming more and more familiar. And eventually we're driving past a McDonald's that's in the same parking lot as a gas station. And across the street, there's a pizza joint. And Todd and I are like, oh my God, this is the same exit that we had that incident with. And we ended up telling a realtor everything. And she's like, oh, that's scary and traumatizing. Do you guys still want to look at the house? And we're like, it's the only thing that we can afford. The other thing that's worth mentioning is our landlord at the place that we were renting was about to sell our house. So we literally had to find something or move back to Rick. Georgia. So this was like our only option. We ended up buying a house that is off the same exit that basically the Bell Witch lured us to, or at least what I think the Bell Witch. That isn't the whole story. We've had a lot of activity in this house. I actually had somebody reach out to me the other day offering to cleanse it. So we'll see if we end up going for that or if it works. But yeah, let's just say this house has been wild to live in over the last couple of years. And it was terrifying to get here as well. That's had, my ramble on the Bell Witch. And we had talked about this prior, but people that take something from that cave, they are known for sending the items back in the mail or driving them back. But I feel that there's still an essence of her. And I think that's what people don't think of when they are taking something. Just because you take it back doesn't mean that the entity or attachment is gone. Right. This entity loves that it's stretched. It's creeped in like tentacles. That's a great way to put it. If I did my math correctly, this would be the seventh year in that cycle. Put it lightly, an awful year. I've had other people reach out to me saying, like, yeah, I've had a really shitty year too. People who are close to me. And I'm like, is it going to be something that happens to the people that are close to me? Not to take credit by any means, but go listen to the episode that I did on it on haunts that I caught evidence whilst recording and I left it in, of just like things that are happening happened here. I didn't go into full detail just because there's some things that I didn't really feel it was my place to get into. But let's just say there are matters of life and death that have happened. Fair, you know about them, but that have occurred to me and the people in my life. And the other thing I forgot to mention in that is we've had, which is the other thing that really freaks me out, so many flies in our house in the dead of winter. It's cold and there are flies in our house. Like Not like they came in because they're trying to escape the cold that's coming in, it's it's been cold and now all of a sudden they're in here, which is strange. And we've talked about, isn't there old ancient Indian burials outside of your house? They're dog graves, dude. I really think those are dog graves. I need to believe that they're like the previous owner buried his dogs there. But also think I'm, of like, if it's not that I'm going to freak out. That's so, what it looks like. Though. The area around your home is known for Indian inhabitants. Some paranormal activity in your home is going to stem from that ancient activity. I think the Bell Witch loves to spread her tentacles everywhere. And being that your land could be possibly haunted, she's also getting energy from that. I think the other thing that's interesting about this too is I almost wonder if 
when she struck if that's who did this, struck the parking lot of McDonald's down in town by lightning. I wonder if she was almost saying, you're going to buy, you're going to understand this in a couple of years, you're going to buy a house in this area and I'm going to know exactly where you are. I'm going to be able to find that. I take it as a threat. I take, I, I don't know if I conveyed that very well when I was telling the story either just now or on my show, but I feel like it was a vague threat of you can never escape me. I will always know where you are. And that's why I warn people that even if you are a diehard skeptic, don't chance it. Yes. And as I said earlier, I believe that everything just happened too quick in succession for it to just be a coincidence. But to me, she's always going to have that little bit of essence in your home or on you. I think there's a part of her that is always attached to the people who don't come to that property with respect. And as much as I have respect for it now, or a respect, respectable fear is a mm-hmm. good way of putting it. The story really does scare me for now what I think are obvious reasons. They, I think that this entity attaches itself to whoever takes something from that cave. It's an invitation. And I didn't understand that when I took that. I was truly, I don't know if it was me trying to prove, because Todd is way more skeptical than I am. He, I wasn't, I don't know if I was trying to prove to him or if something came over me. Did you feel something different like from when you were a few miles away? And then you started creeping on that property Um, through the long driveway. Did something come over you to take that? I don't. It's hard to explain the vibe of that place. To be honest, you go to this property and they have a model of the original cabin Mm -hmm. that you can tour. And they tell you the ghost story inside the cabin. And they're very clear that this is not the cabin cabin. that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm sure it's still haunted because it's right there. It's the land. It's not the original one. But. I think mainly my issue was we went in and we had the whole story told to us and we were even warned by the tour guide not to take anything. And I think that I don't know. I don't know what came over me or why I would because like now and even before that, I don't think that I would have just taken something after being told not to. But also at the same time, I was so young and so inexperienced and I way more confident than I should have been. So maybe something did come over me. But to be honest, I also could have just been very full of myself and thought that I could handle it. And I remember thinking too, I wanted Todd to have a paranormal experience since we were staying in all of these haunted locations. But wanting him to have a paranormal experience and inviting something in are two very different things. And I don't think that it would have just been like, I want to be haunted by this for the rest of my life. Which I think is going to happen, unfortunately. But you know me. I'm so. skeptic first, believer after the fact. I honestly could have, and again, this was years ago. I'm wondering if maybe my thought process was like, I don't necessarily believe this to be true. So let's test the waters and see what happens. What's the worst that can happen? Ex- Did she give me that sort of push? Right. That's what I'm wondering. Or was it me behind the intention? I'm not sure. I'd like to know if anyone says anything in their letters that they don't remember taking it yeah but you remember though i remember taking it and you said i remember it being a clear and conscious decision we drove it back on the way back everyone's experiences with it are going to be so different Mm -hmm. and while we're on the topic guys don't do what i did i say it in the episode that i did where i told this story at length and really got into the meat and potatoes of it but it is not worth it wanting to test the waters and see if it works just go and listen to the episode because like i said we i caught activity happening in audio not only that something might happen not to the person that actually took it they might be like by extension i'm gonna do it to your family 
And then you're going to have to live with the consequences that you yeah. brought this thing to the house, to your area. So right. it's scary to think of what all possible can do. And it, I think it's way more intelligent than the spirit of a woman who once disliked the Bell family. I don't think that's what it is. It goes deep. It does. But yeah, that's, I think, the story of my experience with the Bell Witch. I think we have a little bit of housekeeping, though. I forgot that we didn't mention at the beginning of the episode, which is our upload schedule moving forward. Before we actually close out this episode, we meant to mention this in our intro and just I think we're so excited that we forgot. But hey, hey, remember, we're doing a quote at the end of each episode and me, Don the Sex Pistol, gets to read it. All right, you crazy bastards. Here's your quote for the day, selected by Farah. Who know why we were taught to fear the witches and not those who burned them alive? Ah, the wisdom of the ages. Who knows why we were taught to fear the witches? Maybe because they were out there living their best lives while the burners were just jealous Karens with torches. Huh. Forget the real villains. Let's be terrified of the spellcasters, right? Because nothing says intelligence like fearing someone who can turn you into a toad. Bravo, humanity. You've really nailed it. All right, Sinister Seekers, we will wrap up our first episode. Happy New Year with Studio Sinister and the legendary Bell Witch. We hope that you enjoyed the eerie tale that we spun for you today. Now, mark your calendars because Sinister Stories will be dropping like clockwork on the 1st, the 10th, and the 20th of every month. Don't miss out on your regular dose of the macabre. Hit that follow button if you haven't already. We're haunting all streaming platforms so you can catch us wherever you prefer. Connect with us on the dark corners of social media, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and TikTok. We're lurking around every corner, ready to share more sinister secrets. For those of you who crave more details, check out studiosessions.blog an extension of our show, which will feature detailed show notes, links, audio and visual aids, and more. So help us reach new listeners by spreading the word. Share your favorite episode and let's build a community of sinister seekers. And guess what? Patreon perks are coming your way. So keep your eyes and ears peeled for exclusive content and goodies. But before we go a sinister favor, leave us a rating or review. Crafting these episodes takes so much and your love and feedback mean the world to Courtney and I. But until next time, stay true. Stay you. Stay sinister. Stay sinister. On the next episode of Studio Sinister, the girls dive into the depths of Montana's most mysterious legend and lore. We're talking about none other than the infamous Flathead Lake Monster. Is it a prehistoric creature, a figment of the overactive imagination, or just a really big trout? Find out on the next chilling episode of Studio Sinister, coming to your streaming platform January 10th. Embrace the haunt.